0: Hello, CarStack community. My name is Christy. I'm the founding director of the CarStack project, coming to you from the land of the Web3. Today, I'm joined by Navroof sedif the founder and CEO of The Digital Economist. She's also the fellow at MIT Connection Science, who is working on policy and think tank and all the things that allows us to understand how this new tools or technology allows us to build economy that's sustainable and transparent and much better for us and as humans and in our daily lived life than what exists before welcome
1: thank you chris thanks for having me great to be here today
0: Absolutely. Uh, nice to have you here. Um, so today we're going to have an interesting conversation about the human side of things, not just the uh, humans as we live it, but the life that we live, that is the meaning that we we derive in as we go through our journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of made you interested in the intersection of economy and new technology? And are you an optimist that this is going to lead us to a better place?
1: Hmm. Yeah, those are a very interesting set of questions. So I guess just to... Uh, go a little bit into the history of it um i'm a trained economist and um you know economics a lot of people think is the study of money it's not uh they think you study the economy no we don't we do we do that too but you know uh uh, you know hang in with me there uh economics is really about studying humans you know Mm. that's that's what we study, the economic nature of humans and everything that we've created um, as a result of that. Money being one of the instruments to store, transact um, value, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, you know, what we've seen over the past uh, couple of decades, a little bit more, is this a very reductionist, if you may, for the lack of a better term, approach to uh, doing economics. You know, it, it uh-huh. used to be sort of much broader and still is in some of um, some parts of the world, <laughs> right? Um when it comes to you know the intersection of the political economy, almost all of international policy is defined by economics, right? And mm-hmm. in resources and, and what have you. Um and so and, and now of course technology more and more uh is is basically defining what the next wave of economic transformation is going to look like so the global economy is being pulled by uh, these technologies earlier the internet of course but now Web three technologies um, on the direction it's going to go and uh, what it's going to look like right to be to be part of uh, to be part of the global economy or the national economy or the local economy for that matter and so you know when you sort of put this all together Uh, We have a discipline that needs a lot more entrepreneurship, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of reform, a lot of um, uh, my colleagues who stand up and say, well, actually, I'm going to help co-create what the future economy looks like and not just write theorems on validating old theories, which, by the way, are not really serving us in any meaningful capacity. And so I decided to be the economist who does focus on things that in my understanding matter
0: you know one you know contextualizing it in the work that uh, that we do looking at like decentralized technology uh, a value network as orchestrated by software uh, there is a hope that the uh, the the structure we can create between participant is more of cooperation and collaboration according to a set of at least agreed upon rules with less prejudice about who is You know, let's say putting this thing onto the blockchain or offering a bit or whatever, something or offering a service or something like that. So, do you see the technology uh, that is being germinated or experimented with in the world of? let's say crypto blockchain and Web3 depends on which perspective you're looking at, different names. Do you see that as a, a, as a missing piece of being able to reintroduce collaboration or cooperation? Or do you think it's a hindrance because it's amplifying the competition, the kind of like, you know, ultra capitalistic uh, intent or the tendency we already have in the cloud era or the, in the kind of the shareholder capitalism era? Is there a glimmer of hope that we can reintroduce collaboration and cooperation with these new tools?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess my first response would be nothing is black and white, right? We live in very Mm -hmm. complex um, economies. And my thesis work was actually on that uh, at Harvard Kennedy, which is uh, measuring complexity. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, there's no easy way to do it. But I built like a new index um, to, um, you know, to measure that in the manufacturing sector. Um, and, And so what does that mean? That means interdependence so complex is different from complicated complicated is just the opposite of randomness right Mm -hmm. Um, but complexity is the sort of the opposite of um, uh, a system being simple in other words rules are simple to understand and follow and all of that stuff but you know when interdependence is so high as it is now with globalization um, you know you get a very complex set of um, mechanisms operating at the same time so I don't think it's um, like the answer to the Web2 world um, mm-hmm. as such, because like you mentioned, there are so many tendencies already. I mean, hey, crypto just made the fastest billionaire, right? So, right, right, you know, yeah. what are we talking about? And I have nothing against capital, obviously, uh, personally. And, and I think um, capital is a, a, a tool uh, to, you know, basically what money is, is is that much Command on resources on the planet right Uh now there's no intrinsic value in money you know which comes as a shock to a lot of people Uh Um, you know the dollar note simply is a promise by the government saying uh, you know we promise you goods and services worth that amount given the inflation the economy and all of those conditions and what have Uh you and and I think that's a really hard concept for a lot of people to grasp uh, that there's no intrinsic value to money now if you look at what it does command is the goods and services and the resources of the planet Mm. then suddenly things start to get interesting now that means that the billionaires and the big corporations have access to all these vast resources sometimes not sometimes many times more than entire countries right versus individuals and local communities that's when you know it starts to sink in all right is that okay like y- y- you did you actually come on the planet with some like god-given right that you know you have control and ownership over all these resources or what Or a handful of people really on the planet and others are excluded from it right and, and that's when mm-hmm. it starts to sink in um i think there are well-intentioned people in web3 Um, I'm really looking at these technologies and sort of the organizations uh, that uh, are built and I advise as well as uh, a way to, uh, you know, sort of be an anecdote, if you may, for the lack of a better term, uh, to a lot of the adverse forces, um, you know, facilitated by policy, sort of the Reaganomics and all of that stuff over the past years, um, sort of the accumulation of wealth and resources that have, but that have happened, right? So I think it's this next generation saying, okay, like we're just going to create entirely new ways to build the belt, right? Uh, but they mm-hmm. are all benefiting from the same market forces that brought us to this point right. at the first place. So that is a complicated and complex equation. Um, now, is this to say... You know, there's not enough interesting innovations in in the space. No, I think there are. There's enough capital and and people. So I'm hopeful. I am optimistic because as James Baldwin said, I'm optimistic because I'm alive. What are your options?
0: (laughs) Right, 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 right.
1: You get one life and you get to fill it with things that can serve. The people around and yourself and you know and and i think you should make the best use of your time here like what else like i don't know if god came and said here's the meaning of life Uh, so as far as i know all the theories that i checked there isn't one (laughs) So, so
0: if you're a pessimist if you're extreme pessimist about the world the only thing you can do is to live in a bunker Right. So, 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 or your a building, are, I yeah. guess, <laughs> or, or even, e- even more extreme in the short end of the time. Right. Like thing. So being optimistic is really a great way to live because at least you can, you know, hope that the next day uh, an impact can be made, whether by you or by someone, uh, aligned with your interest. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Um, do you see the um, uh, the you know at the periphery and the research you're doing? Do you see glimpses of the uh, the use of technology in you know maybe in certain vertical industries on in certain type of use cases where it is really about the technology enabling new type of. Uh, um, let's not call it wealth distribution, I think that's an end, end, end goal of it, but the value creation and the co-creation and the value distribution, like following the path of the value creation, and hopefully not like everybody contribute value to a social network and like one person gets all the money uh, or one corporation gets all the money. Are you seeing uh, opportunities or glimpses of that model working in a smaller scale?
1: That's a good question. I'll say this. For me when we are talking about open source, when we are rethinking where value is coming from, who's creating it, who's appropriating it, right. how it's getting distributed, it, it is an entryway into reopening that conversation that was closed by, you know, for the most part for businesses and policy, right? And it's for me, it's not even about the technology as much. It's about people, right? Uh-huh. And you know which people need to benefit the most is the other half of the planet, 4 billion people, which is women. Right. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's about all those things, you know, because we are talking about these issues again, it, it helps bring the conversation back to where it matters. And so for me, that's sort of the ultimate goal. Cause like what's the point of technology, right? We have all these tech pros, tech, 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 but right. what are we talking about? Technology to do what? Techno- we always had technologies. We, we used to work with simple tools and what has that has done over the years, um, as tech grew, is that humans got less busier. In other words, machines did more and more. So we didn't have to put eight hours, right? That stuff um, could be done in eight minutes right yep. now. Again, if you look at human issues, that has opened up all sorts of, that has opened up our bandwidth, right? What do we fill our lives with? Uh, you can play video games or you can do social work. I don't have value attached to eat any of those, uh-huh. but, you know, or, or judgment attached to that. But that's basically what we're looking at. So now we have 8 billion people on the planet. Um, how are we going to fill, uh, you know, our time? Where it's going to go? Right. So, and that's kind of what makes uh, a huge difference to what we end up pursuing. It's not a coincidence. We're starting to see gaming become so big because, you know, we don't have labor needs uh, because so much is being automated. Right. Uh So it's, it's, it's really interconnected. And and it's interesting because most of these are, uh, you know, if, if you were just like living 50 years ago, most of the men, men, yeah. in the gaming industry would be in working in coal mines and like, right. you know, in transport sector and so on and so forth. So those jobs have been systematically going away or being outsourced because is so much cheap and there's also a lot of slaves uh, in other parts of the world. And right. America was able to, or the U.S. was able to build on that and grow, continue to witness growth based on that, right? And so we have this almost... Um, excess labor, right? There are not enough good jobs, uh, what have you. So it's going into sectors that traditionally uh, have been very small entertainment and, and so on and so forth. So, uh-huh. I, I mean, I find it interesting that with Web3, you know, we can rethink some of these uh, from, I guess, first principles. Um, but is it a solution for everything? Absolutely not. I mean, we're gonna to continue to see a lot more problems that emerge, and it's, to some degree, it's the nature of life. Every new thing we create, uh, that solves a problem, there are a lot of other problems that it creates as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I when I when my, when I looked at the you know early blockchain Web three technology. Uh, I also looked at it through that kind of open source lens, right? So in open source, we have this common, it's like Wikipedia, it's like little magical nuggets that happens once and they may not ever happen again, like the web open source or Wikipedia. Uh, And I felt like... The input was all these people uh, with their you know excess time right you know programmers or people who can contribute the code have some excess time because and then they use that cognitive surplus in a clay shirky sense and they invested in different things and, and for developers and for people who can write code which again is a exceedingly small percentage of the world population certainly does not approach the four or eight billion dollars uh, people you're talking about they were able to create this new Kind of common good through open source. What was sad about it is that that output of that open source becomes the uh, the the resources, free, uncompensated resources for the big company like Facebook and Google to build on top of this open source contribution that came in university, funded by grants from the National Science Foundation, whatever it might be, and became these privately owned SaaS marketing platform that sell shits to other people. Right? They use a lot yeah. of open source underneath, right?
1: No, I mean, that's it. I mean, that is a problem with platform economics, right? We're looking at a world where um, the uh, imports, even from a policy perspective, are um, basically uh, taxpayer dollars. But, you know, to your point, uh, the output is appropriated. Appropriate, yes. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. by by just a handful of platforms, uh, right? Uh, Facebook and Google and others, and and, uh, you know the names. Uh, and so um, you know uh, again uh, i have nothing against companies but it's the rule book it's the it's it's that it's okay to play this way is problematic and that's where policy has a huge role to play um, and, and so when you start to scratch the surface to your point around um, actually the entire um, uh, there's a very successful fund that the U.S. government runs as well, the venture fund. Um, I learned about it in the book "The Fifth Risk" by Michael Lewis. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the the payoffs are great. Essentially, if you lose the money, you don't have to pay it back. But if you if you gain, then then you you know you just return the amount, and and the U.S. government alone uh, actually doesn't uh take part in the gains from that. Uh-huh. So this is a a messed up model. No VC would invest <laughs> if you don't get to share the upside and only have to tolerate the downside. And so I think there's a lack of understanding, A, how public goods work, mm. um, right? Versus private markets. I don't think most people understand it and it's helpful to educate oneself on that. Then your point on commons. Commons are shared community resources. And I'm super glad you brought it up because Web3 is... Mm-hmm you know blockchains shouldn't be treated as public goods which means uh the government has sovereign uh, as a sovereign state has ownership on these public goods with the government being an agent of the state elected for and by uh, the people right mm-hmm. um versus uh you know uh, commons which are community owned resources and governed by the communities they're not mm-hmm. owned by the governments right they're not public goods um And again, what's owned by the government is a default owned by people in turn, but now there's a bigger question if we have democracy in this country or not. My my answer is no, we don't, because we are passing laws that don't have majority support, uh, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's abortion laws or it's, um, you know... um, uh, guns control and what have you so um, and and you know, this is pretty well known in sort of the research and academic circles The U.S. is no longer a democracy right uh, from a functioning perspective mm-hmm. um, and, and so, you know um, Just to kind of I guess um, finish this point here I think we should be treating blockchain as commons and I'm glad you brought it up because we're working with uh, the Algorand Foundation on exactly this on right. uh, decentralized community governance and how can you know, Ostrom by the way who was the first woman who won the Nobel Prize in economics her work on governing the commons and the design principles how we can implement mm-hmm. those to web3 and so um, I've been really encouraging the community to look at this you know ocean of resources um, and uh, you know there's already governance principles that we can uh draw from and yeah. uh, build decentralized systems right
0: yeah and i i think you know when we look at the you know the the correlated explosion of uh DAOs and stuff like that uh, they do very little research <laughs> so so the the voting and governance system of plutocratic you know whoever has the most you know money in the stack wins things is really not you know, even research that way, and and I think it's really important for that to be a translation of things we've learned over the time into practices. And I I, I and I applaud foundations who look at this as a not not only opportunity uh, to 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 learn more, but also a a, a uh, an obligation to help bring forth some of the existing knowledge, so that as developers and people who are builders and people who are organizers in the front line, they can draw upon a richer array of. Uh, 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 tools, as you mentioned, the the thing human nature leads us towards hero stories, but also human nature also leans us towards certain types of cooperation and coordination. If we tap into it, the question is, how are you aware that there is certain st- deeper structure underneath it that's cross cultural boundaries that can be tapped into, and obviously uh, uh, through technology. Uh, uh, accentuated. Right now, the only thing it seems like we're accentuating is a serotonin uh, a dopamine loop in our brain, right? That's pretty low in the brain function. And if we can kind of tap into the, the, the sense of belonging and sense of contribution and meaning that people naturally have as human uh, and make that kind of operationalized through the assistive uh, technology, that would be so awesome.
1: Totally. And I think blockchain, it's funny, when I discovered blockchain in 2015, I believe, um, I finished my thesis um, and I went back to Paris and I was speaking to my professor uh, whose class I was in. Uh, learned about the commons, uh, digital commons in particular. And I said, oh, my God, there's this technology that can totally give way to operationalize governance of commons because that's mm-hmm. a challenge, right? Like, yep. How are you going to convene like 100,000 people to make a decision on something, right? It's hard. Yeah. Coordination problems are real right there's yeah. 100 years of economic literature on it search costs are real coordination costs are real um and a lot of platforms sort of um uh, you know um i guess players have reduced that i mean that's what uber is right it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a coordination platform that has reduced the search costs uh, massively to like when you need a car ride to a car Driver being available, yes. But now you have these Web three technologies, and that's why I'm optimistic about it. Is that through voting, through on-chain voting, and again, there's it's a, it's a complex gamut of things there, but you can operationalize governance of decentralized um, common pool resources. Yeah. Um, through through the tech, and, and so and that's very exciting.
0: I think especially in Web3, I think Web3 is a large space. Uh, there are people who think of Web3 as crypto trading, and some people think of Web3 as the fundamental coordination technology of blockchain and consensus, that people who think of Web3 as NFTs, and some think people think of it as a trading card game to make the most profit on flipping JPEGs, and there's people who think about it as DAO to socialize with friends, and there's people thinking of DAOs as this digital comment. I mean you can plot them to as many dimension two by two, four by four matrix as you want, it's a complex space. We use the word land of the web three, much like land of the free of America. It's a tapestry of many, many people in conflict, in coordination and communion and not in, in in different ways. And we are one land in America with maybe a less and less functional democracy every day. And I think in Web three also have this conflict. But I do believe that the part of the people working in Web three, looking at that coordination opportunity, it's small compared to people looking at Web3 as another game board, they can dominate using the Elon Musk playbook of memes, of like, you know, heroic, uh, 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 how do I say? Heroic, uh, um, uh, deification. <laughs> can I use yeah.
1: that? Posturing without like, yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know where the hero story is in there. I find it really hard. I feel like my story coming from India is a lot more heroic. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah but you know I, I think decentralized Uber or decentralized marketplaces that uh, uh, that place more uh, value to the person performing the service. I think uh, there is two books that really, it uh, uh, was really interesting, was written by the same person, Shoshana Sapscoff. One is the support economy, which was more optimistic, and there is a the surveillance economy, which is much less optimistic and after the fact, right? Uh, she wrote about how the digital technology really allows us to support each other in our quest with knowledge and care. And that was prior to the Facebook vacation of everything. And then Mm. she wrote the book, Surveillance Economy. uh, You know, similar structure in the title, The S Economy. And it's so sad that we went from support. You talk about the uh, women being the supporting kind of somewhat invisible force. The invisible hand is her, his mom, right?
1: (laughs) That's so interesting. I'm going to totally quote that. (laughs) Dude, the invisible hand is your mom.
0: (laughs) Like his mom adam's mom right
1: <laughs> Adam's mom and all of our mom too right, exactly like, hey right, by, you by came exception. out of your mommy <laughs> so sometimes I'm like how dare you disrespect woman you came out of one <laughs> how's that even possible you know um yeah. and it's these are my existential questions um but it's it's you're you're absolutely right and and I think um I think you know it's um it's it's kind of sad because of course digital technologies also give us a way for mass surveillance. Um, uh-huh. First of all, of uh, you know, of our own citizens, right, and and, and residents, and, and then the rest of the rest of the world. I think the gains to working together uh, and working collaboratively. First of all, no global challenge can be solved without that. So it's just like a, you know, there is no way <laughs> you can. You know, a lot of people say solve global warming. It's, 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 not, it's not a math puzzle that needs mm-hmm. solving. Yeah. It is taking responsibility for action. It's working collaboratively um, and, you know, um, towards shared solutions. And, and I think that's just pretty straightforward. You know, it's, 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 it's not a puzzle. And I think, again, this is the reductionist way to look at the world. Uh, to say, oh, here's this problem, I'm only going to look at that, and I'm not going to look at all the other things that impact it, Um, Uh and so then that's how you kind of even end up with vocabulary like that. It's interesting because I hear that even in the United Nations, and I'm like, I didn't know it was a math puzzle you could solve for. Uh, Uh We would have done that a long time ago. (laughs) We got a lot of brilliant mathematicians in the world, Um, and so... You know, I, I think I think you're you're spot on. Um, inclusion is the the starting point. It's not an end goal in the sense of course it's an end goal. It's not like an outcome of the system. It's mm-hmm. where you begin. And until we recognize that, uh, we're gonna be going in circles, I'm sorry to say. And and, and and I guess the other thing I really think is the big elephant in the room, at least on the sustainability front, is um is a meat industry, because that is 40% plus of emissions. Uh, um, and so I've been at conferences, so many of them have lost the count, uh, you know, or people found hunger sustainability or the opening of the Arctic, uh, so on and so forth. And, and you look at what they serve for food, right? Uh, there's a lot of meat in there. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's behaviors that have led to where we are it's uh it's more than of course they're bad actors um but it's it's the behaviors we keep encouraging because of this exponential growth obsession how can you have exponential growth when the resources of the planet are limited
0: yeah yeah you know
1: like does that even make sense you know
0: i mean the earth is not getting any bigger uh and the charts are all going up and then you know like you know how do you contain all of those you know you know, straight up, up only charts in a circle, right? Eventually you cross yeah. the boundary, you know. Uh, yeah, we
1: have crossed those boundaries and we crossed them uh, a long time ago. One of the solutions maybe for the lack of a better term, uh, we did a Forbes piece on this like two, two, three years ago. What I had proposed, and this is like me wearing my economics hat is that we keep the physical economy separate from the digital economy. We start mm. to separate it and here's why, right? The physical economy has upper limits to it. There are planetary upper boundaries. Yes. Now, the digital, on the other hand, doesn't. It's the economics of abundance. um, It's a term that Melanie Swan, I think, coined. I really like it. Mm -hmm. And it gives us a way to play. Think of it as our animal, animalistic instincts that wants to explore and go to Mars and Jupiter. and, And that's fine. And you can play in the digital world. But the problem is when this digital gets bigger and bigger and fewer and fewer people control it and they in turn then start buying up everything on the physical side of things. Right now, like where are the rest of the eight billion going to go? So, yeah. you know, if we can, for example, if we can separate um, what happens in, let's say, the stock market in the US, which we saw is uh, inversely related with human well-being. <laughs> I think that would be fair to say. If, you know, the rest of the world is like, people are dying in the pandemic, the stock market is up. If finally the economy is back, the stock market is down. Like, you know, what the hell, right? And and I understand how the stock market works. Let me just say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I understand what's broken with it, right? That's like, uh, that's what I studied for 15 years. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um. so that's an entirely different conversation. But 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 long story short, um, it's it's this hedging uh, or I should say going against what's beneficial to humans. It's what's problematic. The fact that we have these adverse incentives and we've built economies and markets. So I think if we can separate the digital right uh-huh. from the physical world, that would give us a way to move forward and let human imagination run as wild as it wants because it does yeah. and not keep honestly killing life on the planet. Cause that's what's happening. We've lost 25% of biodiversity uh, uh, sure. on the planet. And that's the real tragedy. Um, you know, I mean, think about it. Like, um, let me give an example actually to kind of really bring that home. Um, Mark Zuckerberg keeps buying more and more land on, um, Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, the Hawaiian Island. Yeah.
0: Right? The big one. Yeah.
1: No, well, the actually the small one, perhaps the the most beautiful one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you see, this is this is an example. I think here's a a culture. Uh, I lived in Hawaii for two years, and Uh it's really close to my heart. And you know, I really got to know the locals. And it's a two, three thousand year old, at least in recorded history, um, culture. That like one dude who doesn't understand how the world works you know and i'm not just saying this because it's fashionable to criticize mark zuckerberg he 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 doesn't because he's not lived elsewhere he Mm -hmm. doesn't have exposure to other cultures you know he doesn't understand what community means or or, you know the fact that something that's well intended can go sideways because there is not a stable democratic institution in a conflict with an african economy right Mm -hmm. so or in asian economy or latin america or even hey the u.s You're economy
0: saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right because yeah. you know it's always easier to say no, no. oh their economy is shit and their country has problems yes. and yeah. we're the good ones but anyway so i think now that that's not a problem so uh because we're planning examples at home yeah um uh, but for long story short um you know we're we're seeing a erosion uh of you know, rich cultures that have evolved over thousands of years, that's really our legacy, you know, of, of humanity, uh, right? Uh, the cultures and languages, the wisdom, all of that, because, you know, one dude became a multi-billionaire. Um, and that's that's the sad part. And, and you know, we, we have to think of ways, either they share the wealth, um, and find ways to create better, better ways to organize our resources, or we say, all right, you know, you can play in the digital world all you want, uh, but that wouldn't automatically translate into uh, buying away or erosion of, uh, what you inherited.
0: Uh, yeah, in I think play. right now the digital world, in a, in a weird way uh encourage wealth accumulation and kind of kind of pow- that power imbalance wealth imbalance even faster so if you want to buy up the physical world you just play in the digital domain where there's stock and, trading yeah, and, and, exactly. and and then then take your money and buy i mean it I, Bill Gates done good. Yeah, now. that's what they're doing, right? Good thing so they're buying land, they're buying farmlands, right? So yeah, so they yeah. definitely exactly. understand He's the biggest farmer on the, <laughs> exactly. in the US, <laughs> right? So I get that, right? Like so using digital domain, and Microsoft Office and words and templates and using that to translate to owning, you know, productive farmlands in in the most, you know, fertile region of America or wherever was beyond. So I get that because, you know, money is fungible in digital domain. But I love this idea that if we can shape the digital economy going forward, in a way where we encourage more diversity, inclusion, and fair distribution, like fair rewards of labor, better mapping between contributors and and rewardee, Uh, I'm making up a word, Uh, uh, right now that's not really you know, really well mapped, right? The person who contribute to Twitter, on Instagram and TikTok are not the rewardees uh, of that thing and that shareholder of capitalism and, or even like the, the biggest player, the biggest influencers on the platform gets all the value. But there are new rules we can set within this digital no- domain that hopefully not only make it fairer on the digital domain and make it funner to, you know, in this land of abundance, but also prevent this extraction from the digital domain to buy up in the physical domain even more so, right? Uh, so I think it does two things. It makes the digital domain more fun, and then it prevents for capture through the digital domain as the shortcut.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think about this every day, and it's gonna be. A, again, I'm optimistic, but it's it's gonna be a long fight if we try to sort of fit the, you know, what they say, the circle the square peg thingy, or the other uh, out. And you know it's it's so much harder to say, you know, uh, okay, now let's bring women in, or you know, um, people of color in, or different orientations in, and geographies, and, and what have you, right? Um, then to change the rule of the game, right? And and that's that's gonna need policy. There's there's I don't think there's any other, you know, shortcut to that. Um, and um, yeah, it's, this is kind of where we need human imagination. Yeah. And so that would really be my call to action uh, to the community as well. This is what we need to think through um, and start about, you know, being um, unrealistic. Uh, it's to recognize, I, I think one of the problems is a lot of people don't study history. It's like, it wasn't always like that. You know, it's just the past 40 years like 15, your mom
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah oh, like yeah.
1: your mom and dad were around <laughs> when this was all going down right um and you know if you look at industrialization it's like 100 200 years old that's just like one or two generations and, and your, your grandma was around so you know it, it this is this is not a given the way things are so um so I do think we can do better, um, yeah. and we could do a lot better than where things are. And we need to find ways, through all channels possible, to us uh, to better organize ourselves and you know our resources on the planet.
0: And it's not too late to change. And you know, obviously, you know, working on the front lines in Web3 and technology, uh, the one thing that makes it, you know, some of the things that make it clear is that. Software, which is the tool that allows us to do more with less and then communicate and coordinate is abundant, right? So open right. source shows us that, you know, anybody can have a piece of software and it's free and you don't need to pay for it. If you know how to go to GitHub and clone the repo uh, and, and and run your own software, and most people don't, don't know how to do that. And that final pieces of people not knowing how to use open source software creates opportunity for people to come and say, hey, I'm a tech bro, I'll take this open-source software, add a nice little sign-up button, pay me and give me your attention and give me your data. So I think it's really about, like, you know, but there's abundance there. It just have fake scarcity, whether it's a fake scarcity, SaaS companies coming in yeah. or crypto people saying, hey, let's take the real-world scarcity of gold and translate the real-world scarcity of tokens and NFT. Well, but we're in a world of abundance. Couldn't we play by different rules than the rules of emulating scarcity in the real world? So I think we... St- I think we should really lean into or really embrace the abundance of digital space, digital tools. And I think the scarcity in digital is the fact that the tools of software is in the hands of a few, not that they do that much more than what people do when people set up a, you know, Excel form or or set up a website, they're doing a lot of software development that used to be requires engineering team and, the capitalist, you know, needing to invest five to $10 million to make a website that used to be true in the dot-com boom. And now you can do it with WordPress. I think the more we can put software and demystify and make the creation of new software tools in the hand, whether you call it no code or easier tools, I think that would let more people participate in the value creation through software, where they create the software, or at least they assemble the software. So mm-hmm. it's a very, you know, as a person who have a computer science degree that's that that can code. I don't do that anymore. I see the power. It's it's still it's it's kind of a priesthood of sorts, and I do mean that in a little mm-hmm. bit of leaning male, right, in a way, um, not necessarily a Catholic Church. Many of you go to evangelical. <laughs> it leans male. Uh, that's not long term healthy. If that is the tool, like you know, the knowledge of the Bible and writing and printing and manuscripts and stuff was in the monks, right? The priesthood, right? And when that became more popular, we really included more people. And I feel like software needs to break is, kind of a uh, 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 priesthood and become something that everybody can do and that's really where i feel a big calling towards demystifying software creation and software assembly so that people can actually through some point and click and through some coordination and conversation build a decentralized uber without having to hire a hundred thousand engineers
1: yeah i i agree with that i mean if you look back the open source uh movement kind of lost its way you know, because these big companies started buying up red hat and github yeah. and all that so to your point earlier you know hundreds of thousands of people or if not at least tens of thousands who contributed to these platforms they've got nothing so like <laughs> yeah. yeah zero and it, so the, the the pitches oh anyone can contribute and sure it's buggy but like you know um they're, they're not getting the value from it right and so you know again we need to change the rules of the game um and we've learned how easy it is for basically a handful of people to you know go in and, and buy up this and actually there's a fascinating book that i read and you know I was angry reading it uh called the man who broke capitalism uh-huh. um which i recommend reading if you want to like understand the past 40 years of sort of hollowing out of you know um corporate America, um, sort of like the capture, the, uh-huh. uh, earnings management, the um, you know, uh, not paying taxes and how all of that. And, you know, a lot of people talk about public private partnerships, but then if you're too influential as a private entity and you convince government or you have like your bros in there saying, you don't have to pay taxes to the government and see that's 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 why it's all interrelated right uh-huh. now the government doesn't have enough money to fund you know education to right, do right, right. what you just talked about make software maybe accessible uh-huh. and so and on and on and on right um and that's sort of what and we're we're dealing with honestly i mean that's so much broader than web3 so much broader than software as a way of you know salvation if you may to bring everyone in the fold the truth is most of the people would be left behind this is hard stuff Uh you know not everybody's going to become a expert software engineer this is a handful of people that are having these conversations if you look at the broader world right Uh and so you can go in and say oh yeah i'm gonna run to like build the first this and first that and there's a long tail behind which is sort of the approach i see but look at it for what it really is. This is difficult, complex stuff. A lot of people have no interest in building software. Mm-hmm. They have no interest in, you know, I mean, they just want to live a normal life, yeah. like a comfortable life. They just want to like have food and you know shelter and like uh, you know decent growth and you know kids they can feed. They don't have to worry about like them starving. And so, you know, I actually don't think technology is inclusive in any way, shape, or sense of the term. Mm. Uh, It is inherently exclusive. And yes, we need more diversity in people who build it so it can serve better. And we have enough data, empirical evidence to say, um, you know, when there's like at least 50% women uh, on the table, you know, at the end goals are much better. Uh, for the users and more profitable so we have all of that mm-hmm. um but at the same time you know um it's i don't think it's tech that is our like self-actualization tool yeah. in yeah. life you know it's probably if anything it's the arts it's the humanities it's becoming better at things um uh and and you know um, and, and, you know, I guess you can interpret it the way you want, but it's because that's what contains the entirety of uh, human life. So, um, so yeah, you can study your mathematical formulas and in, in economics and computer science and the core languages, but that's just a minuscule of sort of the human experience. And I think that's interesting also about Web3, if you look at it. Um, the, the PC firms that advise, I've been telling them, like, early on in 2020, that we're due for, like, arts revolution. Right. Uh, and the creator economy is gonna get big and sure enough it, it, it did blow up. And so you'll see this that web three is all about experience. Uh-huh. It's all about, you know, capturing what traditionally used to be the physical experiences, in person experiences in the digital domain, because again, it's not tech, it's the entirety of human experiences that's much broader and representative of human life. Uh, right then Mm -hmm. it is all right who's contributing and what's the business model sort of conversation i think the challenge that i see is like when i'm speaking with people who are like they broadly understand these bigger issues versus like the tech pros or the crypto pros like they just don't have a conception you know of like what we're talking about like the next big crypto project and it's like like you know like do you like not live on this planet (laughs) so and and that's so limited you know so limited in, in in uh in understanding um and so we need people and leaders who are not limited who have a much more expanded and expansive uh worldview and honestly you know of course i'm biased but you know i think it's a empirically validated bias um is that I think women are a lot better at mm-hmm. it naturally. So, uh, so the quickest thing is fifty percent women yeah. at least, and you know we proved that from research at MIT. That's the smartest way and the fastest way to have the highest group intelligence, which doesn't work like individual intelligence and the way we measure it, which is okay for STEM subjects but doesn't mm-hmm. count for any other form of intelligence. Yeah. So you know, uh, anyway, I could go on and on about it, but this is the point, like the. Human life is so much more, and all these issues impact, you know, what we build, how we build it, how we take it out in the world, what we market, what our messaging is, uh, what we make money from, so on and so forth. But yeah, I'll pause here. This is no, I think this
0: is a great call because uh, you know, call to action, and you know, and and then describing what we need like if you think about the Web3 world more broadly than the widget and the tech bro and the crypto bro uh, what amazing design space you talk about complexity mm, and talk totally. about relatedness into, it's so, so amazing and, yeah. and I, I am completely in agreement with you I love this conversation with you. we have the wrong people at a table to <laughs> not I mean, we're not even having a discussion and, and you know yeah. obviously I will have conversation with people to talk about consensus algorithms you know and performance and time to finality I'll do that all day and I enjoy that as a computer science uh, trained person uh, but you know I do believe that the the missing part uh, maybe some part is a of use some part is about transparency but a lot of it's about say, what are we actually trying to do with right, this digital domain and this digital uh, split-off world or co- connected in whatever ways and we need more people uh, to provide more perspective and more understanding, both academically, but also in a lived experience. You know, I believe in this, so, that software permeates every aspect of our life. we talk about software as this kind of like, you know, other things. But the truth is all around the world, people are interacting with the world on the smartphone. The software paradigm of iOS and Android shapes our understanding of the world the same way as waterways and hills and, 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 and streets and traffic signs, right? Like that is the signage of our lives.
1: If you have (laughs) a smartphone, that is, I'm born and raised in India. A lot of people don't have smartphones. They don't even have connectivity. You know what permeates whole of life is economics.
0: Mm, That's And
1: it's interesting because we're the only species that have to earn a living in order to live on the planet. Mm. Um, You know, if you think about it. Like, there's no divine law that was given to us to say it has to be that way. But, you know, you you have to teach kids philosophy and values and ethics and culture. like, yep. that's when you build, like, humans who can serve, who are leaders, not mm. software. Like, again, I'm, I, you know, I work in the domain. So, absolutely, we're the largest tokenomics firm in the world. We do the most rigorous uh, tokenomics. And, you yep. know, and, and so... The, the mathematical genius doesn't exclude, or, you know, um, engineering genius doesn't exclude other aspects of life, right? But I think that's kind of where, I guess, a lot of our work lies. It's like, it's so much broader than software, too. That's a very limited worldview, too. You're mm-hmm. right about this, because even, like, people who don't have homes have a smartphone in the U.S., right? Mm. And and you see that, and it's interesting. Yeah. But that's not the case. I mean, uh, you know, just India and Indonesia for one fourth of the, you know, the global population just lives in India and Indonesia, just two mm-hmm. countries out of 200. Yeah. And those two are that's the largest um, population in democratic institutions in the world. Right. But our worldview is so U.S. centric. And I get right, it because right. it's like Apple News only shows you like news about India. Like I have to call my mom to understand what's going on in India, you know, and so yeah. What about media's responsibility? It wasn't always like that. Now they're focusing on click rates and like Mm -hmm. polarization because that's what gets the most engagement. Like we're measuring the wrong things. That's complete bullshit, you Mm -hmm. know, and we build business models, entire industries on measuring the wrong things.
0: Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's economics of information, driving the capitalism of information, driving the understanding of human about the world they live in and 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 i think um you know if anything that we 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 can aim to do is just have a name have a new game board right maybe try to find a new game where we can use our chips whether it's economics software technology relationship people talent cultural understanding cultural tradition uh and Maybe come up with a new game to play that maybe get a better outcome. Because if we keep playing the same game, we know what the we know what the research is. It's going to be a reductionist. We're going to get a CPI every quarter, and that's all we're going to get. How sad, right? Like, how can yeah, we reduce I mean, everything even, to that? <laughs> even
1: this, right? Even this, like it's interesting. You you said game board, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think of, uh, and that's just me, right? Our, our experiences color what we um, what we interpret things as. Um, I think of like a McKinsey consultant person going in and treating real human issues as uh, a game because here are the pieces of the puzzle. And Hey, I'm here with superior intelligence, which is why I get paid 300 K a year. And so I'm going to tell you how to rearrange, reorganize pieces of puzzle so the game can serve better. And you have to pay like a million dollars to my company for that. Now, hold on for a second here. Okay. (laughs) They're real humans, right? There's real suffering, unimaginable suffering most of the times that people have no exposure to. Mm. Um, You know, when you... And and that's why I encourage people to travel. Travel as much as you can and travel to the developing part of the world. You know, just just to get a sense of reality, honestly. Um, And so, you know... So again, it's different, right? Because it's not a game board and you sort of zoom out and have a full view. Actually, you don't have the full view. Mm -hmm. That is the starting point. You don't understand what it is to be in somebody else's body to live the way they live. Like think of differently abled people, you know, the entire spectrum of human intelligence, worldviews, you know, it's like, it's almost like the other is not human enough for us.
0: Mm-hmm. right
1: it's it's you know the issues are not real enough they are pieces of a puzzle the vocabulary itself like i, I pay attention to all these things is is because language is the way we interpret the world right that's yeah. tool we have
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's the, the way
0: the, it's a the, thinking tool the, right
1: i mean that is the only tool we yeah. have other than uh you know our own like direct sensory input so if I say red, you immediately think of the color red, right? If I say orange, you know, uh, a certain part of your brain gets triggered. that thinks of the fruit orange, the color orange, the smell of orange simultaneously. So it, it sends an electromagnetic signal in your brain that triggers a certain portion. And so, you know, that's the thing. Like language is a way to, as an entry point into that. And, and so it's important that we... Um, start with frameworks and tools and and even our linguistics on where the other is real Uh right because it's it's not real i I totally understand what you're saying like for wall street the rest of the world is not really real the stock markets is a game to Uh play and it's fun and it's you know you can take risks and it's aggressive and that's what i was talking about separating the physical and the digital because the trading and what happens to the stock markets here affects uh, you know think of commodity futures for example that impacts what uh, people are going to purchase and what mm-hmm. that does to farmers in turn yeah. and so on and so forth around the yeah. world you know Quality almost immediately right change. like
0: you know the yeah, next day yeah. you sell it and it's like i'm not buying this for this price because the future said that kind of thing you know right
1: so so it, you know that's that's the problem um and so unless that changes or we have conscious conscientious humans and in, in places where you know it impacts others. Um, I mean, boys can play their <laughs> games mm-hmm. in the basement, who cares, right? But if they're making decisions on their our lives, that's problematic, it affects all of us. You yeah. know, if you look at inflation, if you look at prices of uh, you know, our generation's now probably gonna buy a home anytime soon, right? Um, yep. so.
0: No, I, I think, thank you very much for your time today and to give us a perspective to zoom out even more, right? You know, we think some, sometimes we think of, you know, thinking about technology outside of a SaaS marketing platform is zooming out and looking at more than the Facebook fan company is zooming out, looking at the as is zooming out. There's like two more levels of zoom in. when you zoom out, you see an earth, the beautiful blue ball in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, Yep, that's what we're trying to do in the people in there. That's, you know, zooming all the way into the mother trying to use her very visible hand to feed Adam Smith while he said, no, there's no hands. So we bring (laughs) the full circle to that. So thank you so much for your perspective and your time today. Uh, This has been so lightning to me and I'm I'm glad we're able to discuss something that seems uh, maybe a little bit disconnected with the Web3 world, but I think the opportunity of whatever the word Web3 means really is rethinking the web of interdependency of the of the world with value being included in it, right? Like that's the, the money part, it's a tool, but it's a tool that now we can make programmable and make uh, 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 flexible in a way that legal contracts and trading and regulation and regulatory capture sometimes doesn't allow for that flexibility in that iteration. So uh, as a person on the frontline building, I'm optimistic about our ability to reshape the tools of money to reshape the tools of relationship communication to maybe make an attempt at zooming out all the way to the earth that we live in and zooming in to the lived experience of everybody's lives
1: great I love that thank you for that thanks for inviting me Chris
0: thank you and as always we thank the community for your time and attention Uh, we do this every week uh, with a premiere on YouTube at 9 a.m. Eastern Time Uh, and uh, thank you very much uh, for your time today and uh, until next time take care